Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy Sam Gilstrap. We are back in full effect, folks. It is the Ghost Lights Podcast, episode 26. I have the amazing, the the bearded, uh, Mick bearded, I don't know what to call it, the, the, the handsome gentleman that is Sean Scratchins. Oh, thank you so much. No Good problem. to be here. Good to be, I'm glad that you are free and available this evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's a rare occasion, but when it happens, yeah. Definitely. Well, we got to get you in before you, you dive into the next thing. and Yeah, into the summer and, and the full swing and everything at Colorado Shakes. Yeah. Definitely. And all that, and all that, that parenting that, you, that you're... Ah, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. comes in there somewhere. <laughs> It's a, cheers to you, sir. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ghost Lights Podcast. Mm. Tonight is brought to you by Jameson, Irish st- Irish whiskey, the Castmates IPA edition. You can really taste that Titan IPA in there. Yeah, mm. it's lovely. It gives you hair on your chest. It really does. Yeah, it deepens, deepens the voice a bit, too. Mm. It's, it's, getting, it's getting a little sultry in here. <laughs> It is. I mean, I'm feeling extremely comfortable. If you're listening to this podcast, you know it must be Hypnotic Brass Ensemble and their song War. So please download that that awesome song on iTunes ASAP. While you're on iTunes, feel free to follow us on iTunes. Go to podbean.com if you are an Android user. No disrespect. You should totally hop on the hop on the Droid Podbean app. Um, I'm so glad to be back. It's been a while. We had to take a little time off, as I, I'm sure a lot of our fans know. It was is audition season. Oh yes, oh yeah, full swing. Oh man, re- reading all the things and trying to be as prepared, you know, as trying possible. to be as confident and not show any sort of self doubt no. and <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Exactly. How how was your round of audition season? Um, Without yeah. like you may be offered things and don't want to spill the beans just yet but i mean it no i haven't been i'll just say no not yet <laughs> uh, it's totally um you know uh i really wanted to go into this season just um not stressed about what the outcome is you mm-hmm. know like you can't help it when you live paycheck to paycheck go in with a desperation and and, and a need you know mm-hmm. and i mean you, you want to have that but I, I really wanted to go into a place being like you know what i'm going to I, I want this community to thrive. I want these productions to thrive. I want everyone to thrive in this community. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have fun and just nice. try not to worry about what happens in the ends. Um, you know, me and my wife, we we every year we get a little bit better with how we function with money and everything. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're getting to that point to where it's not really as big as of a burden. Nice. I mean, it's always on our mind, but of course. it was something along the lines of like. Hey, if I don't book this, I'll be okay. Nice. You know, and that's I feel like when you have that, when it's like when you you know you have a safety net to fall on or whatever supplementing income that is, mm. it's a nice way to just be like, it is, you know, say yeah. it is what it is and you know Let just, it work speak for itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just try to try to have fun and you know, they always tell you, yeah, you, know, you wanna go into that room and be like, you know, a friendly person and have confidence about you mm-hmm. and you know course we're always internally screaming at ourselves or okay. whatever we're doing at yeah. the moment so and I really just tried to go in as just carefree as I could. Has it been um, been difficult to get to that spot I mean especially you having yeah. a family and stuff? Yeah I mean the kid I mean uh, we have a three-year-old who turns four in July and that's always a weighing thing about like oh my gosh like he's gonna be going to school and um, and just making sure that he's taken care of yeah that, that's a worry I, I, you know I with the way the world is right now, you just can't be too worried all the 
time. So True. you just kind of have to find your moments of optimism uh-huh. and hope. And so I, I, like, this year, like, I really tried. Like, I mean, it was a subconscious New Year's resolution. Like, just be hopeful, be optimistic, be kind, mm. be generous, be present. And all of that ugh, anger that you feel or frustration or pessimism, just, I mean, try to push it away. Yeah. In a healthy way. You know, Definitely. I'm not bottling it down with Jameson. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And there's more where that came from. Mm. Um, well, that's that's a really great mindset to have in regards to it. I, For me, this go-around was was very similar to a, a couple of years ago. I actually had time to prepare for a lot nice. of this stuff. And, yeah. I, and I was I felt like I was the most prepared I'd been for these auditions in quite some time. It's, nice. it's, it's embarrassing to say, considering how long I've been an actor, how long I've auditioned for these, pro- these, mm-hmm. these particular projects, you know, Arvada Center, the Generals, the DCPA, and so on and so forth. But... Um, to try and go into it just as, I just I just love being here. Let's yeah. just have some fun. Yeah. Like that's every once in a while that's there, and when you make it a focus, I think that I think that distracts from all the rest of the the the, necess, the needs that go into auditioning now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and it's yeah. Like I said, like I, I mean I, I'm kind of an introverted person, so it's sometimes it's hard for me to go up to people in the audition. Car- uh, whatever room you're in mm-hmm. to just sense the nervousness and the anxiety mm-hmm. so I try to be as, as engaged and open you know obviously I don't want to let people like focus if they need to focus but totally. you know I always try if I see someone I know like be like hey like you know try to spread that positive energy make them feel comfortable because I mean one of the reasons why I moved like to a more um, regional theater uh, and not like the coast or whatever is because I didn't want to be caught up in that kind of like cutthroat mm. mentality of like it's either me or you you know and I I genuinely want people to thrive here mm. and so I, I try to be as warm and engaged as I can with people totally. you know? I mean I'm also a pretty shy guy so mm. I kind of tend to be quiet when I can yeah. Yeah. same for me like, I, got to, I got to the Nevada Center and I was like alright I got my headphones on <laughs> I'm gonna go do da- I'm gonna do a dance break for about 20 minutes and shake out all my nerves from yeah. work and all that That's stuff. Hard, and, yeah. and then and now I can be cordial to people yeah. and smile and nod and like, hey, good yeah. to you. There's the hug. Mm-hmm. Right now, now you go study your lines because I got mine. You yeah. know that that sort of thing. Um, that is a great um, segue talking about why you came here, theater, yeah. Sean. Yeah. How did it happen? Um, you know. Uh, you got drugged and thrown into the back exactly. of the van? Yeah, you know, it's gone to my head, everything. Um, I was a very shy, very introvert. I mean, still battle with it. Um, and really into video games. I mean, I was kind of an, a very closed off, not a very social kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happened just because, it, you know, I was in a small town and I was a, uh, I was a small kid, so I was bullied a lot. So... Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the product of that. But I remember it was about sixth grade, and my dad was a was a kind of a board member of the of our little theater. I was born in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and they had a Shawnee Little Theater. And you know, my dad was really involved with them, and the, and a lot of members of or friends of the family. It, it was kind of a hub of a lot of people that we socialized with. Mm-hmm. And my dad on a whim said, hey, you should come audition for this show called Lost in Yonkers. And I'm like, I've never heard of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned for it. And uh, I got Artie, the younger sibling in it. And I had this old 
old director, but she was wonderful. Her name was Vashti. Um, and I think that was like, it was such a warm and a loving crowd. And a lot of people in that show. And my dad played Uncle Louie. So it was like my first chance to be with a family that wasn't my family. Wow. And so I kind of got the bug there. And so I kind of slowly started auditioning for things at school. And then I kind of got into... Um, one, by the time I got into high school, I was like, you know, I joined the drama club. And so it, it was kind of this thing of like, I found something that could give me confidence. I found something I could fixate on that wasn't video games. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't a bad student. I was a good student. But I just, I never had the thing that made me want to be a better thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, I'm better at something, you know? I got you, yeah. And so, and, you know, I was kind of hooked. And then I started doing... You know, the, uh, I forget what they call like the drama competitions or whatever you go, and um, you know, did all right. Um, mm. And I just, it got to the point where that became my identity. Mm. I was the theater guy in school, and, and I had really two passions it was either theater or uh, being outdoors. I was mm. really, really loved camping. So I had this kind of idea of like, oh, I'll be a park ranger mm. or, or be someone out in the wilderness. Yeah. And, I mean, it came time to go to college, and I was torn between, like, do I go to one university to pursue the park ranger degree, or do I go to another university and, and do theater? And, it, it, honestly, God, it came down to a coin flip. Mm. You know, I, like, flipped the coin uh, because uh, I just, I was scared to fully commit into either or the other. Yeah. And so I flipped the coin, and you know, I ended up doing theater. And who knows? Maybe I would have like flipped the coin and went the other way, and then I would have said flip it again. You know, yeah. you never know what happens. Uh, and so I got into University of Central Oklahoma. That was where I got my bachelor's, and you know, ever since then, it's just been it's been my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I still find I still camp. I go out and hike a lot, and that's part of the reason why I moved here. Mm -hmm. All my summers, well, a majority of my summers were spent camping in Colorado. So I fell in love with I fell in love with the area, and um. You know, my wife, Devin, she, she skied up here a lot. So she, she knew, she's experienced Colorado. She didn't have kind of the connection I had. Mm. Um, and when it came time to, well, we both um, moved down to Mississippi to get our graduate degrees. And we got married down there. And it came time to where we want to go after that. And I was like, well, I really want to go to Colorado. And we kind of looked at other places. We looked at Portland, Seattle. Um, but we really just kind of invested full, tent, uh, full tilt into Denver. And Devin... Uh, Devin's just a planner, you know, mm -hmm. I'm kind of like a, a go with the breeze kind of a thing, so mm -hmm. it, thank God for her, she like really <laughs> like, uh, that last year like delved into Denver and tried to figure out all the names and figure out all those things, mm -hmm. and you know, that's how we kind of came across the, the community here, and you know, I'm, we're very thankful and very lucky because we feel that it was a very um, warm welcome for us, mm -hmm. um, and I'm very appreciative of kind of how well it's gone for us um, um, and I'm very thankful for it but you know I think theater in a ways saved my life because oh. uh, I mean I, I don't know where I would have gone if it wasn't for that creative and mm -hmm. confident booster that it gave me mm -hmm. I mean I, the fact that I can go to an audition in front of people that I don't know and do monologues uh, like you know 20 years ago 30 years ago, like, would have been ridiculous because yeah. I was so shy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it's really, it, it it taught me how to be human mm. in certain ways and taught me how to um, 
how to be confident with myself. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, no, the, one of the reasons why I got into theater is the first thing I was good at. Huh? Yeah, it was like, oh, like, I mean, I could play basketball, but I always had friends who were better than me. Yeah. I could play football, but there was always people who were better than me. And, yeah. it, and it's kind of a, like... Not I, to say I'm yeah. the best at this, but, like, I was like, there's, like, the, the, the quality of goodness is spread out over this, a, a larger surface area, mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, do you average 25 and 10 a game, you know, something like that, like, where the, the since there are no statistics here to this game... <laughs> It yeah. was a lot easier for me to be like, oh, okay, I see, I see how this feels. I know how this is supposed to go. Taking the notes and learning from there, like that was really freeing from a personal standpoint. Like, ah, yeah, I freeing. can be in this. Yeah, and, and, like I like to say that theater has given me the gift of living a thousand lives oh. because you, when you invest in a production and a character, you learn so much about that realm and that world that you know this one life that I've experienced, like, I feel like I've lived several lives. Yeah. Because I, uh, there, there's history, there's, um, there's science to it, there's um, relationships and, and complexity of character that you learn for every show that you're in. And, mm -hmm. you know, some of it stays in your head, some of it you forget, but I feel like, you know, if I did this for the rest of my life, you know, I, like, it's insane the amount of information I would retain. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. It, it's one of those things where it just kind of, it gives you, it gives you a perspective that I feel in certain areas can only be attained through traveling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. if you were actually to pick up from where you are and to go spend some time someplace else, mm -hmm. like, if you, if you don't have the budget, become an actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. What were some of the things when you were, at Shawnee High? Uh, yeah, Shawnee High School. Shawnee High School. Like, when you were in that theater community mm -hmm. there, what were some of the things about the craft that, like, pulled you in? Or was it just the, the family I, there's aspect? I mean, it's definitely, like, there was both, I think. Mm -hmm. There was a family because it, it became the sanctuary for the weirdos, mm -hmm. for the geeks, for the, um, the homosexuals, for the, um, the people that were wayward in a small town Midwestern state that mm -hmm. was all about football, all about Jesus, mm. all about um, uh, the white picket fence and, and normalcy, you mm -hmm. know. And it's like if you stray out of that, you're you're black sheep, you know. Mm -hmm. So it became a refuge for the, those kind of people. Um, and uh, the other reason, I think that, and we. We did have some good, we had really good teachers that were really, they wanted to challenge the norms, you know, mm -hmm. and we would do shows that were, I mean, I'm going blank on them now, but, of course. but uh, borderline, like, like, um, they needed, like, permissions for parents to be in these scenes oh. and to be in these plays because there, you know, curse words in it mm -hmm. or they were, there were, um, you know, drug use or whatever, mm -hmm. um, not saying that we did like, uh, like heroin on stage yeah. or anything like crazy like that, but but definitely stuff that that encouraged conversation that not every family would want their kids to be talking about, um, and I think that that's, I think that's what opened the door to mm -hmm. like there's a world beyond this you know thirty thousand um, population town mm -hmm. that there's a, a, a vaster world beyond 
And so I think that it kind of just, it opened our minds, mm -hmm. and it opened our hearts to new things too as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Was your father always an actor before this show, Lost he, in the Yonkers? Um, yeah, he dabbled a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I come from a long, a huge family of, of creative, artistic people. I mm -hmm. mean, I have an aunt who paints, and she's amazing. I had, um, I had you know, grandparents who would write poetry or do composition, would sing, uh, aunts and uncles. Um, my dad, he was, um, he, he worked in the radio for a long time. Oh, cool. Um, he got really, he was a DJ and he had a lot of jobs. One of his jobs was, you know, he did like the two in the morning slot or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, they did plays in high school. Um, I think that there, there's just, thankfully, like three generations of families raised in like creative expression is very important, mm -hmm. and and to learn to play instruments, learn to do something with your hands to create. So I think that that was just it has been instilled, and in, and thankfully like uh, both sides of my family, yeah. um, that it's just kind of I was a product of of that upbringing. You know? Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, my the creation on my side comes from an unpublished novel from my grandmother mm. yeah like she wrote this long historical romance novel I still have it it's in a box like nice. one day I'll get it edited by myself and I'll maybe I'll publish it for her yeah but um yeah that's as far as I know no one else in my in my family like it so every time I do a show it's like it's new conversation with my mom like yeah, so we're doing this now like and, and it's it's always been interesting to be the guy in the family that's like, uh -huh. I love doing this crazy stuff. Yeah. Because everyone else in my family is so quiet and introverted. Uh -huh. It's really just me and my mom, but mm -hmm. like even even Richard, my gay dad, like I'm just, he likes watching plays and he really, he's really into seeing those things, but he's quiet and reserved. Yeah. And so like I'm, I record myself and I, I run, I'm running lines until 11 o'clock at night. You know, yeah. you always... And I love that that ex that expressive quality that it gave me because I was a gamer who talked to his TV all the yeah, time. Yeah. Like I played sports games and I was the sport I was the commentator. Uh -huh. I'd mute it and riff. So nice. it's it's cool that you had a, a history of that in your family. Kind of like I don't know, maybe maybe make it a little more okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there there might not have been, but I have got this. Um, preconception that there might have been some pushback in mm -hmm. small town Oklahoma. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, there was, I mean, and I, I definitely got bullied once I got into theater again mm -hmm. because then I was the gay theater kid mm -hmm. you know, and it happened and, um, it's, I, it definitely like, it, it pushed me back a little bit into my introvert every now and then, but I mean, that's what. That's what college is for, is to get rid of all the, the stupid small town mm -hmm. um, idiocy. Yeah. Nice. Did you have a, at Central Oklahoma, you said, did you have like mm -hmm. a, a, how how bigger of a net of uh, people did you encounter at Central Oklahoma? Uh, Just because yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was definitely bigger than Shawnee, but I mean, it's... I mean, it's probably bigger now. It's been like uh, 10 years since I've been a set foot on that campus, mm -hmm. so it might have grown, but 
I, it was definitely like a culture shock. I mean, being a sh small, shy kid who wanted to do theater in high school to college, and then I was being put into this university with like prep schools and private high schools, mm -hmm. and arts high schools, put in the mix of kids that, you know, had way more facilities and training. I mean, my high school, like, <laughs> like our stage was a small black box. Half the seats were broken, and when we had to do shows, we had to tape over it. Our sound and lights consisted of a tiny person behind the flat flip, flipping this giant, like, Frankenstein switch <laughs> on, on, off. That was our dimmer. And then, like, pressing a boombox for sound. You know, nice. it was very, very minimalistic. Very ghost um, lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think that that made me, you know, it, it made me appreciate the facilities that I got when I went to universities. It made me so much more humble for anything. Mm -hmm. I was hungry for it. Nice. And so I have these other kids who have had years of, of these kind of facilities. And so they kind of felt like it was a step down mm -hmm. or they felt like they were, uh, they were superior to it. And yeah. they, they left without finishing their degree to move to LA to make it big. And I never heard from them again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think that that, as much as I, I hated that small town, the small town made me appreciative and humble for the things that I got outside of it, nice. and, and hungry for it, and and a kind of of need a sponge to soak up as much information as I could. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. No. When you would you work through college, and how long have you been in Colorado now? Um, I get fuzzy. Mm. I think it's like. 2010 or 11, so okay. it's about seven years. Nice. Yeah. How how has your love and your hunger for theater changed? Has, is, oh. has it evolved? Oh, yeah. I feel like it's always evolving. I feel like it, it needs to always evolve. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like if it stays the same, then, then it can't grow, it can't challenge, it can't mold to whatever the times are. Yeah. Um, I think that... Uh, you know, it really depends kind of on what projects I'm working on. True, know? yeah. Because I've definitely done projects that are like you know, the classics, that mm. are, you know, the, the ones that kind of sell the seeds, and those are fine, those are important, because yeah. they always have a good, important message. And then I've done the, like, really out there, like, fresh ink on the scripts, um, still a work in progress, but is, like, really gritty and real to right now, and I feel like it's a civil justice piece, and it's important because it's, now mm -hmm. and then I've done like you know children's theater shows in which I'm I'm Templeton the mouse you know <laughs> and I'm like you can't help but when you're putting on like the, the prosthetic nose to be like I have a master's degree and I'm putting on a mouse out there right now <laughs> but then I'm in front of like 300 kids that are laughing and having yeah. fun and and you know I'm a seed planter I'm planting these seeds uh, in the audience and so mm. it, it really depends on where I am in my project of what I think theater is and should be. Mm. Um, I definitely think that moving here made me appreciate um, uh, regional theater. Mm. Like just how important it is that we need culture everywhere in this country. Yeah, We need it in Oklahoma. Mm. We need it in New York. We need it everywhere. And so it's important that we have these hubs of, of culture and art to share 
for everyone because not everyone can afford to fly to New York and, and pay tickets to see Broadway totally. or go to LA or whatever um, and so I, I find it more I mean I knew it was important before I moved here but more so now of like every state needs a, a performing arts center yeah. every town needs a theater whether you want to say like uh, uh, what kind of theater it is whatever it is it needs to have we need to have artistic expression and we need to be put into the same building and synchronize our heartbeats to what we're watching on stage because mm. it's important. It teaches us how to be human. It teaches us empathy. It teaches us the importance of creation instead of, um, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, emulation uh, to, to watch mm. rather than to create. Yeah. Whatever. Is, that why, is that why you'd say we need it in regional theater? Yeah. Those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. No, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It seems like, especially now. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've heard you. Um, I've been privy to rehearsal conversations about the, the current political climate. <laughs> yes. And um, we've, we've had conversations ourselves. And so, to hear that perspective on why we need theater, where we need it. Yeah. I, I mean, that it's important. It is important. And I do feel guilty that I let, I, like, I was exported out of Oklahoma because I do have a lot of. I mean, there are things annoying about that state, but, you know, my, my, that's where my roots are. That's where my, my blood comes from. So, mm -hmm. but, I, and, but I wish that, I mean, Colorado has an amazing um, artistic um, community here, comparatively mm -hmm. to Oklahoma. And I wish, that it, I wish that Oklahoma still had that, those things, in other states as well. Yeah, definitely. Is there, what... Do you have plans for what your career is and going forward, or is it I'm here, I'm raising my family, doing work when I can? And yeah, I think that's that's it. You know, I, I there there are definitely like there are projects in my head, like scripts that I want to write, stories I want to tell. Um, that at some point in my life, I mean, I need to sit down and make it a priority. It's just not a priority right now. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I have my word documents on my computer of like script idea, blah, 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 or whatever, um, that I, those are kind of things that I look forward to. Mm. Um, I, I mean, it's always been kind of a night, uh, I've always fantasized about kind of having a contract once a year out of state, oh. like, uh, yeah. whether that's in Florida or, or Oregon or Washington or Utah, whatever. Mm. Um, just, just to experience a different regional community. Mm -hmm. Obviously with the family and everything, I, I wouldn't want to do it all the time because I want to be home. I want to I want to be there for, for my kid. Um, so that's kind of there, just yeah. the idea of like, once he's kind of more self-sufficient mm -hmm. um, of trying to do that. Mm -hmm. But really, I want I want to die here. Like, awesome. I, I have no... I mean, there's definitely the should I move to Canada thought that happens every now and then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I really, I love it here. Um uh, I have family here. My mom moved here. The, my brother moved here. His wife and they have a kid. My cousin and his wife moved here. They're about to have a kid. So it's like this giant, massive scratch and scratch eye migration nice. here. <laughs> so I really, I mean, honestly, I have no intention of leaving. I really want, you know, I want, <laughs> I want. If I die in this community, I would like there to be obituary like Sean. You know, moved here, blah blah blah, and, and he was he did a lot of artistic uh, uh, endeavors for this community. And, nice. You know that 
I want I want that. I want to be a you. part of this community and be be a name that people know. Not from like f- stardom or fame, but just mm-hmm. like a valuable asset to the creative endeavors. Definitely. Well, that's that's fantastic. And that's a very great perspective. For I mean, for someone who came like who moved here and found this love affair with this community mm-hmm. as opposed to like always being in it and knowing it. Like it's I mean, for me, like I came up and been scrambling ever since, like trying to find a foothold and figure out what's next. And mm-hmm. where I've been the most happy is where I've been like, this is fine. This is amazing. This is more than I ever thought it could be. Yeah. And it's and it's been like that for a while. But I mean, to but to make this your home base, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, is and then let the career happen as it happens. Yeah, is, that's. That's nice. I mean, you still got your goals. Yeah, I got my goals. Not, and I, I always want to. I mean, another goal is I always want to learn. Mm-hmm. I always. I want to make sure that I'm always um, challenging myself. You know, whether that's taking a class at DCPA or that's stepping into something that I'm not comfortable with. I, I want to be. I want. I want to stay frosty. Is the word I guess, nice. or stay like, stay at a point of. I want to keep that sponge mentality. Yeah. Of like, I never stop learning. I always want to to, to challenge myself and mm-hmm. try to. I mean, I don't want perfection. That, that's a, a kind of a a dangerous road. Totally. But, but a a way that I want to be open when I'm in a show, of of insight. If, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't want people telling me how to say my well, <laughs> say my lines. But but <laughs> I want I, I I I like that. I enjoy it when when um, when light bulbs go off. Yeah, um, I think that's important. I think as an artist, you always have to be challenging yourself. You always have to be growing because the day we stop learning and growing is the day we become stagnant in mm. our yeah. The day we're just like doing it to you're just doing clap it. for us. Yeah, you're just doing it. And there's definitely shows that I'm just doing it just mm. for money, and that's fine, you know. And um, well, that's the business. That's that's the nature of the business. Yeah. There's definitely like auditions I've gone in and like. I could sure use this money, but I have no love for the script mm-hmm. or whatever that happens. But I, that then, then my job is to fall in, to make myself fall in, like find something mm-hmm. that I love about it. Nice. Yeah. When um, talking about challenging yourself, you recently did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> yeah. After doing Waiting for Godot, and yeah. I remember you talking about like the, the lead up to that whole process. Yeah. What was that like for you? Oh God, it was. <laughs> I mean, brutal in a way that was just, it was a feat. I mean, I was thirsty for it. I wanted it. Um, but going from, you know, I had up up until the end of that summer of the CSF and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I had like a good two years of back-to-back contracts, mm-hmm. which is rare. And I was so thankful for it, so happy for it. But it, like by the time I got to RNG, I was almost to a point of burnout. And so I really had to dig deep to, to get, because I always like going into rehearsals at least 50 to 70% off book, just yeah. because I don't, I don't want to spend my time once I'm in rehearsals to be learning my lines because that takes time away from my kid when I'm home. Yeah. So yeah, it was tough to be still in Godot and understanding you, mm-hmm. Pazzo, to have that in my head and Lucky, mm-hmm. to have Lucky and Pazzo in my head as well as learning Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Um, it, yeah, I mean, the, the beautiful part was the similarities between both shows. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't 
have experienced Godot and seeing Sam and Tim step into those roles and seeing what was valuable about their relationships mm -hmm. and how they depended on one another, the cyclical nature of it, all those elements of that show, if I hadn't experienced it and learned from it, I would not have been as fast with RNG on the importance of those scenes in RNG. Because, I mean, really, you can apply all the things that you learn from the other and apply it to the other. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a blessing in disguise to go back to back in that because I really would not have, I feel uh, valid, not valued, but appreciated the um, complexity of it. I would have been like, oh my God, this is so brainy, mm -hmm. you know, and my brain hurts kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. But Thanks again, Tom Stoppard. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you, you dick. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, and it was an amazing experience. And it was it was amazing to have Sam follow me into that and transition mm. because he became you yeah. as the player um, in RNG coming, um, or he, yeah, Pazzo and the player are very similar. So it was nice to have a shared experience with him about, like, this is crazy. This is just so similar. Mm -hmm. um, and the coins, like, there's a lot of coin tricks in RNG and that, that was definitely, but, you know, out of that, it, I like to think that I always learn something in every show. Mm -hmm. So for like bus stop, I learned how to do that whistle. Uh, I like I learned how to do yeah. that whistle. Still got um, it. Yeah, still got it. I'm a little <laughs> rusty. But, uh, um, and then you know for RNG, I learned how to do the, all those coin flips. So I love it. I love it when I can like learn a trick mm -hmm. or learn something from a show that can. T I can keep for the rest of my life. Like it becomes like a trade, yeah. Yeah, it becomes a trade. Definitely. I mean, in one show, I learned, I learned how to juggle, and so now I could put that on my thing. I could juggle, I could whistle, I could, I could do coin tricks. If it wasn't for bus stop, I wouldn't have basic guitar on my resume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Or oatmeal burgers or whatever. Oatmeal burgers, man. Those are the best. Ugh. By the yeah, way. I so much weight during this show. <laughs> yeah, you were I mean, so fat, Sean. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, if you feel it when you're in denim. <laughs> Tight oh. down by the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah just because those. <laughs> you were poured guys. into those pants, by the way. What? Mm -mm. uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the oatmeal burger diet. That's right. And the snacks that they have constantly oh. yeah. backstage. I think that's the only reason why I want to get back to the Arvada Center. It's like that the big free thing. Snacks. Yeah. It's a table of snacks. Oh, my God. It's a table of doom. It is a table of doom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then a little fridge back there with all the nice little goodies, oh, yeah. too. Oh, sidebar. What's your favorite snack? Uh, I'm a salty guy. You're a salty guy? Yeah. I mean, every now and then I have a sweet tooth, but I'm all about, like, chips and dip, salsa. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm all about the salty. Hey, that's, that's, that's a good place Cheese to be. Cheese and meats, mm. cured meats and Ooh. some bread. Like a little, like a little salon, like a little charcuterie is what yeah. I'm hearing here. Exactly. Hey, exactly. that's anti pastas. Yeah. Stuff. I love saying anti pasta because it's like the, like the opposite of pasta. Yeah. Uh, like the pasta's villain is anti pasta. Yeah. Fuck you, spaghetti. Yeah, exactly. I'm the anti pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As he as he twists his mustache, it added a little layer yeah. of villainy to it. That's awesome. How was your relationship with Michael as a, you seeing Sam and Tim work? How did uh -huh. you and Michael Bouchard work together on that project? Uh, I, you know, going back to so Russell weird. I, I never worked with. I mean, living here for almost. I mean, by this was six years or six. Yeah. Uh, I never worked with Michael. I mean, I 
worked with people who worked with Michael, but I, I never worked with him. So I was a little nervous, but like, oh my God, like we're going to be sharing the stage at all, like uh, all this time, and mm -hmm. I never worked with him. Um, but it, it, the, Michael's very good. Uh, he's, he knows the science of comedy, mm. and he knows, like, you know, you, you got to, you know, plus two here, add minus here, you know, this equals this. Mm -hmm. It's very, very calculated and rhythmic. And I enjoy that. I like it. Um, it's very orchestrated and calculated. And so, I mean, for the most part, um, we kind of, when we go scene to scene, it's either I have the heavy load or he has the heavy load. It's very mm -hmm. rare it, because that's kind of the nature of the relationship. When one person gets hysterical, the other person's the, the grounding rock to yeah. calm them down. And so in that show, we kind of switch those roles of, of who's, who's calming the other person down and who's getting uh, manic and crazy. Um, and so it, I felt very comfortable working with him and safe in that. And it's, it's very important that you establish that early on because that, that creates a relationship in which you can play and be comfortable with one another. And so it was nice to, to get to know him. Really, I mean, CSF, you have like two and a half weeks before tech. Yeah. So, you know, three, three and a half before opening. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a fast process. And so I felt safe that he, I mean, I came in like 70% off book, but I had like probably a good, more heavier chunk than he had. And so um, it, it was nice working with him. And, nice. and really it was a threefer because of Sam Gregory there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and he kept me say we made each other laugh. You know, there's Good. so much times to where um, Tim, the director, was working on the players because they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of heavy lifting to do with their uh, plays within a plays that they do, mm -hmm. and we kept each other sane because that's a show that you can easily go insane over. Yeah, um, and you know we laughed and joked, and so it was very therapeutic to have someone that you can do that with because I've definitely been with actors that oh, I can't talk to you because you're trying to focus all the time mm -hmm. or whatever. And that's fine. I have no judgment against that. But I like it when actors can be open mm -hmm. and be very present all the time, yeah. and whether that's whether that's in the scene or out of the scene. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a good experience. Nice. Uh, with, with that load of RNG, mm -hmm. how was the rest of the rep for you? Just asking in terms uh, of... The rep of, of CSF. CSF, yeah. Oh, it was, it was easy compared to RNG because nice. I just had... I just had um, uh, Gildenstern in um, Hamlet, mm. who, I mean, I think originally only has like maybe a hundred verses line, but they edited it down to maybe seventy-five, I think. Okay. So seventy-five lines of verse versus uh, like roughly six hundred mm. for for RNG. Yeah. So it was it was piece of cake. Nice. It was great. <laughs> and it was nice because um, the director for Hamlet. Uh, Carolyn, who uh, was in close uh, talks with Tim about making sure the scenes in Hamlet were reflected in RNG. And so it was very nice to have that kind oh, of man. open dialogue about, yeah. like, actually, it would be helpful if I could have the coin here because it establishes the coin in this show. And it was very open in that and collaborative in that. So nice. it, was, it was very, I mean, thankfully we did Hamlet first mm -hmm. so I can kind of set those scenes a little bit better in my mind for the for RNG um, but it was fun I mean and then I had those two shows and then I always every summer I or every summer I work there I teach the camp camp shakes uh, teenagers so I directed uh, 
I directed Two Noble Kinsmen, mm. um, which I wasn't really familiar with. And have you read Two Noble Kinsmen? No. Oh, it's a weird one. Sorry, I got birds. That's oh. all right. It's whiskey. Yeah, it's it's going to do that to you. Every time. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. It had some weird stuff. I make a ref- We have to make a reference of that play in Shakespeare Bridge. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never what's, knew this thing what's existed. The, what's the reference? Um, it's like um, one of the characters that Adam, played by Ben Hilzer, goes like, he's kind of the dumb one. He was like, yeah, I just read this great Shakespearean play, Two Mobile Kinsmen. Talking about like two guys on a cell phone. Uh, and like, no, that's two noble kinsmen. And like, so that, I have no idea what it's about outside of it's two dudes. Yeah, it's two, there you have two dudes that end up fighting over a girl and they're just some. Men weird. don't do that. What? Men don't, never. Never. Never, ever. No. No, we hit them on the head with a club. They just drag them drag away. drag them to your. That's cave. not how it works anymore? I'm pretty sure it's hashtag cave two, right? Yeah, ca- hashtag cave two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Send your tweets to me <laughs> at the Ghost Lights Podcast. Uh, I love my wife though; she's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't have to hit her over the head. <laughs> no, she she hit she, me. She, she, she hit me on That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Someone's got to rope you in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is next for Sean? What's so, coming up? Yeah, I start. Well, the, uh, I do the summer again mm-hmm. with Colorado Shakespeare Festival, um, which the festival starts tomorrow oh um but i'm indoor contract so i'll start a week later nice. so tomorrow is the first rehearsal for love's labor's lost yeah. and then we start rehearsals next tuesday for richard the third yeah. of which i'll be playing buckingham buckingham is kind of the right hand man of richard i like to say he is the john kelly of this administration Ooh. because he definitely has blood on his hands yeah but he's probably the only guy in the administration that's keeping the king from nuking all of europe yeah so he's kind of and then he's um, like the electric- i don't want to give too much away but he's like he, the electrical collar on the dock yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but unfortunately it doesn't go his way um uh and then after that i have you can't take it with you um and I'll be playing Henderson. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an accountant. He has like one scene in the first scene, or first act. So really, and Buckingham has like roughly three hundred lines of verse. So it's a good, it's a good meaty role, but it's not like it's that nice like median of like of not too much mm-hmm. and not too little. It's like right in the middle. It's like the perfect amount where I feel like I have an arc mm-hmm. and I have a story, and I'm not trying to figure out my arc <laughs> because there's not enough there, yeah. or I'm just stressed out like how am I gonna do this arc because there's so much. So it's a nice middle ground. Um, and then Henderson's really easy. I'll understudy Boris. He's kind of the Russian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good uh, summer, but in no way as stressful as some other ones. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm thankful that I'll be able to do that, make a good paycheck, do some good art, but at the same time, be a little bit mo- more home with the family because I won't be called all the time. Nice. And then I'll teach the camp as well. I'll direct Edward... Oh God, Edward, uh, the second or the third. Well, I should know that, but yeah, one of those. No judgment. It's one of the okay. Yeah. One of the yeah. one of the Edwards. Yeah, one of the bad plays. Yeah, one of the ones you've never read nor will read. Probably. Like right, like right behind King John. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, nice. Um, so I'll be directing that with the teenagers, and then, nice. um, and then yeah, like as we said, it was audition season, so we're still waiting to hear about that. Hopefully, by the end of the summer, I'll kind of know what lies ahead for the year. Definitely. Well, it's, that's great. You got a nice. That's going to be some. I love Richard the Third. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I was. It's one of those plays. Like, 
Um, I took the Shakespeare monologue class before the last round of auditions, so not this year's CSF, but no, I guess it would be for this year's CSF. Anyway, rambling. So I was taking the class with Jeffrey Kent. Like I really loved the monologue that he handed me for that. Just Which like one? it was the um, now is the winter of our discontent. Oh, yeah. The the, the, the famous first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one. And so I went through, and after he gave it to me, I read it again. Like I hadn't read it since high school, mm-hmm. and it yeah. was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I hadn't yeah, seen it, it really, since Derek Jacoby did it for PBS. It's striking how relevant it is yeah. right now. And, I, I mean, I read it, yeah, I read it, like, in uh, high school or college. And, and, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it's a history play. So it, there's a lot of politics and a lot of history and names that you kind of have to wade through to find the story. But, um, yeah, reading it now, I'm like, woo, <laughs> this is very relevant, hyper relevant to everything that's happening. Well, your reference to your character in this day and age is like, yeah, now that's yeah, it's pretty I, spot on. It, it, instead of one tiny shriveled hand, we have two tiny shriveled hands <laughs> and uh, a madman. Yeah, <laughs> if uh, no, I, I'm just gonna say it. If you voted for him, I'm really sorry you made that decision. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could change your mind, but I'm just a liberal snowflake. And I would rather melt as a liberal snowflake than thrive as a um, a GOP turd. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, maybe not take over the world for our future. Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe stop. Maybe transition away from coal jobs. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. there's things we could be doing. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I don't. He's he levied these. I don't know if it's tariffs. He did this thing, yeah. and then like now it's going to be harder to get whiskey. And for that, sir, I am oh, definitely against screw you. Screw you! I'm going to sip my whiskey in spite of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. While it's still here, I'm still going to enjoy it. Oh, it didn't go down the wrong pipe, did it? No, it went down all the right pipes. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Um, Sean, as we get to this point in our conversation, I always ask, what is the ghost light you would leave on for that next generation? To that kid back in Oklahoma that wants to get into the theater. Wants to get into the theater? Yeah. What would you say to him? Or her? Hmm. Or them? There's so many things I would say to you. But if I was to be choosy with my words. there I had a professor one time mm-hmm. who, and it always sticks with me, and I try to phrase it in the best way that I can because I'm not as eloquent and articulate as he is. But, um... He said that sometimes you have to want the no. And you have to accept the no. Embrace the no. Be comfortable with it. Because so much of this profession is no. No, you're not good enough. No, you're not pretty enough. No, you're not tall enough. No, you're not the right fit. No, this, then this, and there's millions of no's. And every now and then you come across a yes, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And what I think he was trying to say is you have to you have to be you, and you have to be confident in what your choices are. Don't try to make choices that you think that they want. Don't make choices that you think are the... You have to make. You have to be 100% in your choices and be confident in yourself. And you have to want... You have to want the no in a way that... I don't care if I'm rejected. Yeah. Because I know that there is something out there for me, and I know that I can do this, and I'm confident. So that's my first word of advice. I think the second word of advice would be, um, I think you have to 
fully, and this takes years, fully understand what it, what you are as an artist. Because that could mean a hundred million different things. I'm, I'm a com, a comedic actor. I'm, I'm a dancer. I'm a blah blah blah. I'm, and those can be multiple things, mm -hmm. not just one thing. Um, find, always try to find new things. You know, I, I, I don't want to shock anyone, but I didn't really like Shakespeare, mm. you know, for a long time until I got cast in a Shakespeare festival. <laughs> and, and I was forced to, I wasn't forced, I mean, I, I, it's not that I hated Shakespeare, I was intimidated by it. Mm. And so intimidation always leads to hate. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. Well, I don't like it because it's, everyone seems to like it and I don't understand yeah. it and it's hard. It's but it's hard. not hard, it's not hard. All it is is you just need to be open. And you need to be, um, I mean, there are, there are breathing techniques, there are, you know, techniques that you learn along the way, but um, if I wasn't open to it, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have found this, this place that I'm in. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've now, I'm, I'm approaching halfway through the canon, and in something that I thought I would never get into. And now I love it, and I obsess about it, and I teach it, and I understand the importance of it, and I, 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 I'm a geek now about it. And I think you have to be open for new things, because if you become too narrow in what your artistry is, you're limiting yourself in auditions, and you're not opening yourself to new possibilities. So I would say that this is something that you're always learning. This isn't something that you learn when you graduate high school. This isn't something that you learn when you graduate college or, or any sort of thing beyond that. You're always learning, that you're always expanding your mind as to what art is and what can be. Um, let's see. I think that finishes that point. Awesome. I think, I think those are my two big things. Be open and embrace the note. Those are great. Yeah. That, that, that's the, the embrace the no is something I hadn't heard before. That's a okay, great good. perspective. I know it's very confusing sometimes, but I try to, yeah, I try to word it as best I can. Well, definitely. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if we're in constant fear of the no. Exactly. That, I think that's probably a better way to phrase it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're always afraid of the rejection, then we're not going to give our 100% of ourselves. Exactly. We're always going to hold something back so we don't get hurt. Exactly. Yeah. And you phrase it so much better than I did. <laughs> Yes. No. Embrace it. Yeah. Well, you had the you had the idea. I'm just. Like I said <laughs> I ask one question and then I riff. Great. The rest of it is just me. Like, how can I do this? No, <laughs> um, that's. But it's it's the truth. I, I think one of the things, I, and I I can't speak for you. I got started in this game and I didn't have. I had no idea what no was. Yeah. Not because I I was any good when I started. It was just because. I just started, mm -hmm. like I just jumped in, like I got my, I, I graduated, I, I think I had two years of full theater BA experience, that's mm -hmm. basically all I did, graduated from Metro, jumped in for three years, I didn't, I didn't not get a show, I was always busy, and then I got to a place where I was like, I'm starting to get rejected yeah. for the bigger stuff, the heavier stuff, and there's a reason for it, what's that reason, and I went to class, Yeah. I was like, okay. I got to try and get smarter. I got to know how to go to these places mm -hmm. emotionally, physically, um, relationship-wise, yeah. scene study-wise. And the no is what fueled my desire to get better and to exactly. get to different places. Yeah. And if you live in this 
this place of no means the end of the world, you won't. I I I, I want to. There's like there's this like kind of a a commentary on like there's you'll always stay in the minor leagues. Yeah. If you're afraid of the no, you'll get work and you can be happy. But you won't know what that next tier is like, and you won't know what you can fully accomplish. Yeah. Because you'll always hold something back, and that's going to hurt your work. Yeah. I mean, especially for an for an art as expressive as theater is, we live a thousand lives. Is is you yeah. made such an eloquent point earlier? If you if you if you cut yourself off from any of those experiences, yeah, you can live a nice life as somebody else and, and you can touch somebody in the audience but consistency that's where you'll hurt yourself yeah. if you if you restrain if you hold back if you're timid yeah and and have a grudge with the no mm. like like and I'm guilty of it there's definitely times to where I've gotten a no and, and, and it, it's a burden that I hang on to totally and I think about that's human that's a human reaction but if you just have to train your mind to be like it. It wasn't. It wasn't my time. Yeah. And whatever the universe is, whatever mystical, if there is entity or whatever is in control of all of it, um, as long as you persist, as long as you are open to criticism, open in a way that is learning, uh, constructive criticism that is, um, you're. As long as you stay with it and you're open to new things, you know, the whole, there's a million phrases I could say right now. When a window closes a door, or when a door closes a window opens, mm-hmm. you know, that all those, there's opportunities everywhere. You just have to be available and not linger on that no that you got. Mm-hmm. Move forward and, and put it behind you. Because that's just going to keep you, keep you down. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Sean Scrutchins. It's another. Ghost Lights Podcast, episode 26. Woo. Please check out Richard III and You Can't Take It With You at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival. Make the drive. It's a lovely experience if you yes. haven't done it. Um, and the, that's the indoor and then the outdoor is Love, Labor's, Love's Labor's Lost and Cyrano de Bergerac. If you haven't experienced the outdoor venue on a nice 60 degree night with the stars above you, surrounded by 2,000 people, half of them somewhat intoxicated, laughing at the show. It's an amazing experience. Bring your boxed wine. <laughs> they actually are now making boxed whiskey. Bring your boxed Ooh. whiskey. And, and and make it a happening. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's Ghost Life Podcast. Sean, thank you so much for being here tonight. Great to be here. It's really yeah. been a pleasure thank to you. have you and to, to have worked and learned from you. Ladies and gentlemen, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Um, we out this motherfucker.